brand new episode of the internet's most hated mafia themed geek podcast long coat mafia podcast it is i the one the only reverend godfather aka the martinsburg madman aka this show's frontman and main host and though i was going to do it anyway but since awesome con was this past weekend y'all are going to get some more convention coverage content this week Yes, it's going to be mostly from Four State Comic Con, but since they always give us a butt-ton of content to share with y'all, that's what you're going to get. Plus, you might get some other stuff as well, along with our main episode this week. So, if you missed out on Awesome Con this, this year, whether it be for financial reasons well, or uh, health reasons or what have you, or you plain just chose not to go like us. Uh, if you guys are wondering why we don't go to Awesome Con is because you can't go. Uh, this year was mostly financial. Uh, not to mention when we try to go, we ref- normally would refuse to go. Mainly because every time we go, there, seem- there seems to be an attitude. Yes, this year was their 10 year anniversary in regards to their show. And they had a butt ton of people show up that we would love to see. Just that a lot of their prices are overly high in regards to for auto, autographs and everything else. And their ticket prices are high. And what they have for VIP passes, it's just not lacking. It's just like, yeah, here's a lounge to sit in. Here's a special lanyard. And you get one or two tickets to jump the line. And that's it. Well... Other shows ranging from, if they're still running their shows, Wizard World, and even, um, but Baltimore Comic Con still runs their shows, and they still offer up a butt ton of stuff for their VIP passes. But in regards to us, there has been many times that we, let me put it like this, they have two options to for someone like myself to apply for a meet to apply in regards to getting a special pass for entry to help save cost. Once one is a press pass, the other is a media pass. And every time we apply for either the press pass or the we'll won't pay for the media pass. Let me put it like this. Let me get into that for a second. Their media pass is like ten to twenty dollars, if not a thirty dollars in and upon itself. And even that we have to get approved for that media pass. So, yet, every time we get applied for the, the press pass, or as I said, for my um, my aspect for it, if even if we applied for the media pass, either way, press pass or media pass, we were going to get the same answer nonetheless. And that answer would be... Denied. The main reason being that, A... They don't like us, or B, we're too small of a show. I would personally like to think we're too small of a show because there are times that larger at, um, places like the Wall Street Journal or the Washington Post or the local radio stations who have a uber long, large following or an outlet will, will immediately get press passes or 
And when it comes to, depending on how they want to look at it or how they apply, someone like a MatPat or Cinemasker or, or say, Angry Video Game Nerd or someone like that that has millions of subscribers or even, heck, I'm sure if Mr. Beast or someone like that applied for a media pass or a press pass, they're going to get one because they're, they have a large following. They're going to bring people to AwesomeCon. Some rinky-dink little podcaster that is pretty much a teaspoon in the world, the ocean world of podcasting and YouTubing is not going to get it. We don't have that large of a following. Well, whereas Otacon, well, they allowed us to have press passes over the past couple of years, over the past, I want to say five, seven years, is because when I asked them, it's like, why'd you, you know, let us have press passes? We're just a rinky-dink little freaking podcast out of West Virginia. West Virginia, they told us we're all for community, and as long as you produce content relevant to our our convention, our show, we'll approve your podcast. For media, uh, for a press pass, AwesomeCon doesn't want to do that. Um, I'm willing to say this: the main, again, the main reason why, or at least what I like to believe, the main reason why Baltimore Comic Con back in 2019, I think it was 2019, approved. Uh, didn't I want to say didn't, they didn't approve us? The reason why they didn't approve us for our press pass is because we didn't have any Baltimore Comic Con video or audio episodes reviewing or going through their event that's why and that's why they also said with open arms we want you to come in here and still cover it please do so come on down let's see what you got so that's why i still have a lot of respect for baltimore comic-con and as much as i don't like how uh otacon has been doing things or how they've done things in the past see last year's not so much see last year's episode on youtube but at least see last year's episode here uh either on podbean itunes or uh, google play in regards to why we didn't attend last year's otacon and what our frustrations to to that were um because i'm not going to go into it again here this is for our anniversary episode, and in this episode, stemming from 2017, in which we covered the recent four-state Comic-Con that just happened that month, and we will also be giving you, or sharing with you, the interview that we got with actor David Nickel, who most notably at that time was known for his role in the show Arrow as the character, or say the Russian mob boss, Antonio, uh, I can't, since my Russian's bad, uh, Antoli, uh, I'm not going to pronounce his last night name, but still, he would play the Russian mob boss in that show, plus, at that time, he was also known for his role in Stargate Atlantis, which was Radrick. And again, not going to uh, pronounce his last name, but it looks like he's also been on the show Kung Fu for that ended, I think, this year or got canceled this year. Uh, it's still because IMDb says that 
Well, he was only on for one episode, and Kung Fu lasted, uh, I think, two seasons, 39 episodes. He planned Grant Harrison for that, plus he's been on a bunch of other uh, movies and TV shows in regards to it. But still, he's best known for Arrow and his his role in Arrow and his role in Stargate Atlantis. So I hope you enjoy that interview and that this episode and I'll as always because we were using our new intro we're going to kind of use a different uh, intro and outro so you all don't get confused and not all that fun jazz and I'll see you guys and gals and other on the other side of this retrospective anniversary episode hey George cue the music We'll be right back with more of the Long Coat Mafia podcast. You're listening to the Long Coat Mafia. Capiche? Hello, everyone. It is I, the Reverend Godfather, the front man and main host of the Long Coat Mafia podcast. And welcome to a brand new episode of the show, the Long Coat Mafia podcast. And today I'm bringing you not just a review of our four state experiences and two comic book reviews that we, from comics we picked up, but first off, first up, uh, I'd like to uh, present to you an interview that we got at Four State Comic Con, and that interview is with David Nickel. Most of you will know who he is, because he appear, he's most known for the character Ant- Antoli- Anatoly Kenzev. From Arrow, he's the Russian mob boss on that show. Uh, for some of you who go way back, he also played Dr. Raddick on Stargate Atlantis. Yeah, nice guy, nice guy. Uh, here's the interview, and I'll catch you on the other side. Greetings, everyone. Uh, I'm here with David Nickel from not only the current seasons of Arrow, but he, uh, he's formerly known from Stargate Atlantis. Uh, hello, David. How, welcome to Forstein. How have you been doing? Wonderful. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Uh, like I said, you, you're most known from Stargate Atlantis and now currently Arrow. You've been on, what, for the past two seasons or three? Uh, well, it's technically three, but it's skipped a couple seasons. So I, I appeared first in um, season two, episode six, and then towards the end as the prisoner in and on the submarine on the Anu on the island and then nothing in 3 and 4 seasons 3 and 4 so two year gap and then in season 5 they picked up the Russian backstory and that was uh, the flashbacks to the uh, to the Bratva uh, and to uh, Oliver's initiation into the Bratva uh, so we did that that was last year that was great that was 14 episodes and um, this year season 6 we just started filming about a month ago uh, already, got, already did one uh, the episodes and I got a um, more coming up Legal, as much as you can tell, what can the fans expect from the upcoming season of Arrow? Lots of villains <laughs> and uh, uh, lots of personal uh, stories with uh, be- between the characters. Oliver and Anatoly have uh, known each other for a, for a long time, and the relationship has ter- taken a turn for the worse. So it's, uh, it's this is where we're this is where I'm going. At least this is where the uh, relationship between the two of them is going this season. So have you seen your your character in Arrow evolve over the least past season in season five? 
or longer? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it started off as a prisoner and in, in pretty rough shape. Then he came in to return to Russia, came into the, you know, return to the Bratva, and uh, as the story unfolded, you know, became the Pachan, became the godfather of the, uh, of, of the Bratva. Now, uh, the, as the story evolves, it's going to go to different places, and uh, you guys will see what happens. Um, going, I do apologize for a lot of the geek questions and so forth, so, but going from uh, a doctor on, a, in essence, a sci-fi state, space station, so to speak, to, a, in essence, a Russian kingpin, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, uh, you know, as, a, as, a, as an actor, it's it's that's fully within the range of what kind of happens. You can go from being a cowboy to being a, uh, a, a you know a, a plumber. It's uh, it, it, the the characters are each sort of developed based on what they are, who they are, and uh, their background. So that's kind of the actor's job to sort of bring themselves, bring the best part of themselves to the role. Well, I'm not going to make you choose between the two different um, major roles that you've done, but I do understand you've done a major, a lot of major other roles. Um, what has been your favorite part overall through your, throughout your career? Well, that's a tough one. I'm really enjoying Anatoly now, but I mean, I got a soft spot for Dr. Zelenka too. That was uh, that was good fun. It was a, it was a while ago, and it was the, sort of the first sort of breakthrough role uh, for me. I really enjoyed working on that set and, and, and working on that franchise, and, and that was the franchise that really took me to places like here and you know all over the world so uh, you, you know that I've, I've really got a soft spot for for that so uh, working on uh, were was working on both sets similar or were they a different type of attitude on sets yeah a little bit uh, the you know you know there's a lot of action in arrow and uh, there's a lot of characters and it's 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 a, in some ways a tougher shoot because uh, you you're, you're working quite a bit so it, it's, uh, I, which I enjoy. I enjoy very, very much the, uh, the, the the work ethic on Arrow. I mean, it's some some of the best stunt people and actors and directors that I've worked with. So it's uh, it's it's truly enjoyable. Um, uh, Stargate was a little lighter. Uh, we had a little bit more fun. We kind of fooled around a, a, a bit more. It wasn't as much of a, a work ethic as it is on uh, on Arrow. I mean, we still got the job done, but uh, we sort of goofed around quite a bit. <laughs> I know there's been a lot of uh, fan distaste with the sci-fi channel with how they handle things. Um, it, I'm going to try to word this best I can. Uh, do you care to comment on how the sci-fi channel tends to handle things with working with uh, Stargate? Well, well, I'm happy to comment on that because I don't know. I, I'm not. I don't watch sci-fi channel. Uh, I'm not from the states. We have uh, in Canada. We've got uh, most of Arrow is on another network. It's on uh, CTV and. Uh, uh, Stargate when it was on. Oh, I don't even remember what channel it was on. So I, I don't. I, I, I've heard the, the, about the fans' dissatisfaction. What you're alluding to, with the direction that they're going, and uh, I mean, I don't know the channel enough to, to be able to comment on that. I just wanted to get the general sense or anything like that. But um, fan-wise, uh, which has been the most um, aspect that you've seen? Is it mostly Arrow now, then Stargate, or still more mostly Stargate? Oh, well, you know, Stargate's turning into a bit of a nostalgia thing now. I mean, it's it's 10 years old when we were canceled.
canceled, so 15 since we started. Um, so, you know, there's still lots of great fans from that uh, franchise, uh, you know, you know, around. And but now Arrow is is is, is bigger. It's it's current. It's still going. And uh, I mean, the fandom there is huge. And I've only just begun to taste parts of it. So it's I, I feel like I'm on the beginning of that journey. So you're right now happy with your character on Arrow and so forth and so on. Um, with uh, Steven's aspect of being who he is on that show, are you happy with seeing him being the almost the front man of the show in a way? Oh, yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, I, I couldn't think of someone better than Steven to do it. He's, uh, he's very professional. I mean, he, uh, he's, he's great to work with. Uh, and he sends the elevator down. He, he, he kind of helps other people along which I, I, I kind of really like about that. He's, uh, he's, I, I find him to be great to work with on set. Um, one of the newer questions I'm starting to ask a lot of the guests, like yourself at shows like this, uh, which kind of uh, convention do you prefer? A smaller convention like Forest State or the larger shows? Or is there an even love for both? Well, you know, both are different things. The the ability to sort of uh, mingle with fans and, uh, and, and you know talk to them is, is is kind of the whole point of these things. So some of the bigger shows sometimes go a little too fast and kind of herd people through a little quickly. So it's a bit of a shame, and it feels like uh, you don't really get a chance to to get to to, to know people. But uh, and, and sh smaller shows like this are uh, you do have that chance. So. So um, I think it's been one of those weekends. Uh, has there been a role throughout you? I know I asked about favorite role. Has there been a role that you've enjoyed more? Or not? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's been one of those weekends. Be, uh, being on my side of things, it's trying to think questions on air, you know, forward. Sometimes it's like, what about, no, wait, did I ask that question? Um, what, what kind of, um, just one last question, what kind of hijinks, favorite hijinks between the two major roles Can, are you willing to say without getting anybody in trouble? Oh, I'm not getting in trouble. No, no. Like I said, Arrow is, uh, is, 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 uh, is, is a work environment. I mean, we, we have fun, but it, it's not the kind of fooling around fun that we had on uh, on uh, in Stargate. That was, uh, you know, Hewlett and I fooling around and with Jason Momoa, you know, throwing things at each other and making faces at each other during uh, during each other's coverage. Just stuff like that, you know. <laughs> so, um, where, uh, honest God, this is the final question. Uh, where can folks legally stalk you <laughs> on Twitter on Twitter at D-N-Y-K-L D-Nickel David Nickel uh, again I thank you for your interview sir my As, pleasure uh, though this will be one of our shorter episodes I do appreciate oh, that's cool. you uh, taking the time to interview be a part of the show so my pleasure and as soon as it's posted we'll let you know through your Twitter account and please do so looking forward to it Thanks. thank you take care Welcome back, everyone. Again, that was David Nickel. He was such a great guy. I did get a chance to speak to him a little bit off the record uh, the Saturday prior in reference to uh, a little bit of this. I wasn't really, ex I didn't know what I was expecting when I met him that Saturday. And he was such a great guy. Uh, a lot of very friendly, as you can hear. Please watch the new season of Arrow, which airs October. Thursday, October 12th at 9 p.m. here on the East Coast. Uh, I'm going to say it's uh, it's going to probably air earlier on the other time zones, but then again, I'm not sure how uh, the CW 
does its networking, which means that it could air 9 p.m. Eastern, yet 7 Central or earlier, or it will constantly air at 9 o'clock across the board. So please check your local listings this Thursday, uh, October, I won't say this Thursday, Thursday, October 12th to find when it airs in your neck of the woods. Uh, as And not to mention, uh, you can also find Arrow on the CW app. Uh, when it does go live, you can watch it there. You can also watch Arrow on Netflix. The seasons do drop as soon as... If, meaning if you're like myself in cable TV or satellite dish uh, impaired, you could watch Arrow on the CW app the day after it airs, which means once it airs on October the 12th, I'll be able to see it, or you, whoever is cable impaired will be able to watch it on the CW app on their smart TVs, Roku devices, uh, gaming consoles the day after on the CW app. Or if you don't have or don't like the app or don't like to use the website, uh, but you are a Netflix fan, um, the CW does have a contract with Netflix that states that as soon as the season is over then the whole season immediately within maybe about a week or two goes on Netflix, which is always a good thing. That way you don't have to really worry about commercials. But then again, the commercials do help uh, support the show and make sure everything is done that way. So please watch the show. And you know, at least I'll be watching Arrow this coming this fall. It's one of the shows I'll be wa- uh, watching in and around my time of gaming. But Here's a, uh, before we go into our four-state review, there are two, one, a graphic novel and a comic I managed to score at four-state Comic-Con. One, let's go with the comic itself first. It's by, uh, Jesus, Jesus Louise. Damn you, Microsoft Edge, I don't care about you. I don't care if it's safer than Chrome. You are never safer, safer than Chrome. Uh, first comic up is Primal Instinct. It is a, like I said, an independent. It's written by Kyle Reyes. He's the writer and creator. He's got, uh, we interviewed Kyle Sunday, September 10th, that Sunday that we were at the show. We did kind of an open mic thing. That will be airing next week. But, so Kyle's interview will be then. And we'll be looking, uh, not looking, linking his, um, all his social media and stuff uh, from his business card to the show notes, so that way you could find it easily find his comic. But uh, th- he described this as a type of this comic. Again, the title is Primal Instinct uh, from KR Comics. Uh, that's his company, I believe. So he said it was um, that he said it was a mixture of kind of Starship Troopers. In with dinosaurs, and that's pretty much what it is. Uh, it's it's pretty decent. It's kind of that camping. He said, uh, going to it, looking at uh, the campiness of the way Starship Troopers is, and that's why I went into it. It does have that campiness to it, a little bit of that humor. Uh, the art style is pretty decent. It's not 
crappy. Uh, it's decent. The only thing I could find that was wrong with it is that there is one panel uh, that has text over it, or say in it, and the text is, part of the text runs into a shadow, and you can't read the text. That's it. That's the only, only problem with the book, is that one little pop, that, and some of you might not like the art style, because it's black and white, so it, it's that, and it's, it's fun. It, I mean, it's a fun book. I'd probably, personally, I'd probably pick up the second issue when it's finally printed. Uh, he said uh, this, I think he said this book was du- published uh, August last, yeah, August last year, and he still has to get uh, the issue two done and all that. So I- I'm going to check out issue two and see where it goes to see if it warrants uh, finishing up the run. So I'm going to say that. And now the other one, like I said, uh, probably since black and white, hand, not hand-drawn, but uh, it's obviously it's all hand-drawn, but it's black and white. Some, some, all of you might not really like that style. I know some of you probably will, because there is something to say about indie comics, because they do stray away from the norm. And Kyle will go into that in our kind of our interview next week again. So stay tuned, new listeners. There's more to come. And next up is... Uh, Blind Prophet, Part 1. This is a graphic novel. It go, covers the first four uh, issues. Uh, it says it's based on the original screenplay by Joseph Silo Jr., and that's who was selling these uh, these comics at Four State. I must say this. I, <laughs> I felt sorry the guy. I didn't get my... Uh, the Wi-Fi password until Sunday, uh, thanks to my co-host, Big Candy. And <laughs> Joseph uh, was trying to, you know, do the credit card thing, uh, which most vendors are doing now, thanks to the portability of that type of device. But he had to go outside to get a strong signal, uh, because no one knew the, the Wi-Fi password. As soon as I found out, I gave him the Wi-Fi password, which helped him out so much. Um this, the art style is more modernized, like you see this type of start art style in both uh, Marvel, um, it's kind of, kind of, has that kind of chalk drawn, if you, some of you guys understand that, it's kind of has that, uh, like it was done with, um, charcoal, style, colored charcoal, which is pretty decent, pretty different, but I don't think, um, Many of you would like this because unlike it's it's a little bit has that religious edge to it, not like how preacher has that religious edge, but more so the aspect of uh, something completely different. But it's not; it's more more thumb on that religious aspect of things. But that's why most of you will not like it. it's again not like preacher, which is uh, goofy and. Uh, dirty and raunchy, this is completely different, it follows a boy that, uh, when he was born, has a mild case of autism, and was born blind due to a cyst in his brain, and with, uh, a, a new experimental surgery to kind of allow him to see, he's now is able to see angels and demons and so forth and so on, so he becomes that aspect of a prophet 
and things are going down government-wise. So, it, it is an interesting book. It's a different storyline. I'm not going to knock it. Uh, he does so well. It does, uh, again, it's a very good storyline. Uh, do I recommend it? Uh, depending on your preferences, yeah, I'll recommend it. I'll, I'll give it a, a decent 6 out of 10. Uh, Primal, I'll give a 6.5 out of 10. But I do check, say check them out. Uh, just do s- searches where both can be found. That way, uh, again, Blind Prophet and Primal Instinct. And Primal Instinct is not the game, it's the comic. Uh, so there's that. Uh, next up, our review of Four State... Comic-Con, and Matt might not be too happy about this, because, uh, yeah, there there was, as much as um, Matt puts on a great show, he has a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of uh, heart that goes into his shows, plus they are local shows, and for those that don't understand the aspect and benefit of local shows, because they go to big shows like New York City Comic-Con, and uh, the Detroit, you know, Steelhouse, whatever it is, or the uh, Vegas Comic-Con, or New York City Comic-Con, or San Diego, or a Wizard World, or an Awesome Con, or an Otacon. They keep going, a lot of people just keep love going, there's nothing wrong with the big shows, but there's something to be said about the smaller shows that, like Matt puts on, that are homegrown, local, and so forth and so on. And the downside with this is that the 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 floor layout was kind of reversed, meaning that when you go to a lot of big name shows like Wizard World or a Baltimore Comic Con or an Awesome Con, a lot of the celebrities are in the back, meaning that the reason why they're in the back is that way it kind of forces the people, you, the ticket holders, to go to them and through the vendor or artist alley areas because that's where those people have to kind of make their money as well. I'm not knocking them. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But the benefit to that is that, hey, I'm going to see celebrities X, Y, and Z I don't have. I don't really want a photograph signed. I want something different to be signed. Maybe a poster or a something that comes from the show, uh, the show, a pop vinyl or something similar to that. Uh, meaning that if you're going to someone who appeared on Walking Dead, maybe you want a, a Lucille replica uh, signed by the person or. Uh, a skull sign, and maybe there's a vendor that sells just that at a, a, the show. You don't know that if unless you walk past those vendors. Yeah, there's usually the outer sides of a con- larger convention floor that lets you bypass the vendors, but still, uh, some of the locations and some of the uh, convention centers, you are kind of filtered through Artist Alley and the major, major, not major, major vendor areas which allow this to happen and it gives you, you the ticket holder, a chance to uh, say, you know what, 
I'm going to see if I could save up enough money to pick that item up or pick that item up. And it kind of prevents the aspect of uh, just ignoring them. Meaning, just going to see the celebrity and leaving. That's why I think uh, one or two Comic-Cons actually went out of business. And sorry for the pause, folks. Because I had to take a drink. Again, I do have a con cold uh, that I'm trying to get over and which is fine. But uh, I think that like I said, there were one or two major, these were major conventions that what they had was a major celebrity area and the dealer room completely separate. And what happened was no one was going to the dealer room and everybody was just going to see that one or two big celebrities and leaving, especially when there were tickets just to see those particular celebrities. And, that hurts the vendors because when no one shops at the vendors, no one the vendors don't want to show up to support the con anymore or the show anymore. And with Matt Show this year, they, they he had all the celebrities in the front and the vendors towards the back. Meaning, as soon as you walked into the show, you could have turned either right or left and met a celebrity for to get something signed. And when something like that happens, all you have to do is turn around and leave, and the vendors do not get any love, and they could have something that you, the ticket holder, or you, the ticket holding guest, uh, might want, or have that item that you are looking for, and yet all you're doing is showing up and leaving. Yes, that benefit you buying that ticket does benefit someone like Matt or uh, an awesome con or a Otacon or a big name show. But the vendors, if the vendors jump ship, then there is no way that a someone like Matt can maintain further shows. So one of the things that uh, a lot of vendors were bringing up in reference to that form of flow is try to have the uh, the celebrities either intermingled in with the vendors or towards the back so there's some sort of filter to get to them and that way the vendors get to have some love. Now uh, my location was the end of Cosplay Alley and there was a lot of wonderful cosplayers and friendly cosplayers there. We spoke to Lady J Cosplay. We spoke to Katie Marie and Katie Co. Uh, all of which will be on next week's show. One talking about the cosplay, what it takes to do an uh, an outfit, uh, cos positivity. You know the whole aspect of cosplay. You'll hear that next week. It's a good hour and a half up episode. So there's that. But the, the the downside with that is, is that Matt had me, Kyle, Joe, and one or two other vendors at the end of Cosplay Alley. And everybody came to see the wonderful, beautiful cosplayers. And again, I'm not knocking these people. They, they put a load, loads and loads of time, effort, and money into their their cosplay, their outfits, the, uh, I don't know if they invest in the, the, the time and the photography studios to get, uh, that 
done and the printing of the photogra- their photographs to sell and have signed and so forth and so on. But a lot of the folks will come in, see someone like Katie Coe and Katie Marie, uh, Katie Marie, and just turn around and go back. And no one, you know, stops by little me or Kyle or, uh, you know, the other con that was in essence, which was, I think, shore leave. They didn't, they, you know, they just ignore, the people would just ignore us, just turn around and go. Their complete focus was on the cosplayers. So there had to be, has to be some sort of equal mix, if meaning kind of a, Actual vendor, like a Lady J vendor, uh, Katie Co vendor, uh, Sharon Cosplay vendor. That way, there there's a way to that everybody has to, a look see at all the vendors instead of oh we're just going to see all these cosplayers and just turn around and go. It gives that aspect of that. And you heard me mention a little bit about the Wi-Fi. Hager Hall did have a, a locked Wi-Fi, but unless you bugged the folks at Hager's Hall, um, meaning my co-host who ran a booth at this September 9th and September 10th at Four State, um, his booth it was Horror Geek, and you could find him on Facebook by just searching in Horror Geek. So, there's that, and I'll, I think I'll put his Indiegogo campaign, which uh, is being going to be used. The funds from his Indiegogo will help support getting new products in for uh, to sell at his booth. So, I'll put that in. That way, you can find more information about what the funds will be used for. So, I don't want to get it too wrong and say, well, the Reverend said this. You're off. No, uh, please. I'll put the link and let him explain it and so forth and so on. Um, but he had to go ask what the the Wi-Fi password was. And he thought I had the Wi-Fi password until I made a comment Saturday evening on the way home about having connectivity issues. And that's when Sunday, when we were not so much setting back up but we were gearing up for that the people coming in Sunday that he said well here's the password and that's when I gave the password to Joe so he's able to use it for his credit card machine uh, but it there was no it, the, no one knew it no one actually knew it you had to go ask and if you didn't know to ask no one there was no one saying hey if you need the Wi-Fi password go see these people so there was that. Uh, what else? But uh, overall, the guests were nice, decent guests. Uh, loads of. Uh, Mark McKenna was great and very nice. It's been a while since I've seen Mark, and we talked for a little bit. I'm sorry, no, in it, that I didn't get an interview with poor old Mark, but he was doing uh, very well from my conversation with him and brief talking with him. Uh, there was a uh, convention, exclu- I think it was one of the few convention exclusives that uh, he, has, um, he, meaning Matt, has done. Uh, Mark has done convention exclusives before for Baltimore and 
a plethora of other conventions. Uh, so this was not a first. And it was uh, Rita and Rita Repulsa and a, the Red Ranger from the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. And I got a chance to see the original sketch. And my God, my my geek, uh, I wanted it. And I wish I had the money for it. Especially since uh, Mark McKenna had it signed by both Steve and uh, Carla. Uh, so, But the cost of the... Uh, the original sketch, signed sketch, was $400, uh, an amount that I did not have on me, so, and I'm not knocking that, Mark McKenna does great, great artwork, artwork, so, but, again, if you didn't actually go in and look around, I got, there were a lot of great vendors from, that were selling retro games, horror stuff, like my, co-host Big Candy was selling uh, comics. Uh, There was uh, a group, one of the local wrestling people there selling believe it or not, they were selling their own version of uh, grab boxes for 30 bucks. What were in them? I don't know. Um, But I'm not going to go into, no one really had that much money to pick, that I knew of that had that much money to pick up a box and open it up and do an unboxing for our show. But that was that, but it, it, like I said, there was, it, I think most of the traffic came in and just saw the celebrities, got their stuff signed, turned around, and left, which meant that if 2,000 people showed up, no one really noticed because they turned around and left. There has to be that way of going in and having them filter kind of the way that when we were at uh, the skating rink in Waynesboro, you saw the crowd because uh, you were kind of, people were kind of directed. Uh, there was more flow, even though the celebrities were still easily accessible on one side. The people still kind of made their way through everything and still was able to uh, visit the vendors. There were a heck of a lot more vendors this time, but no one really saw the amount of foot traffic. Again, I think it was due to the fact of where the celebrities might have been uh, placed. But not to mention the place where it was a nice place where it was set up. Hager Hall is a, a great place. It was big enough to handle everything that Matt needed. and But... It was behind a hotel. Let me say that again. It was behind a hotel. If you didn't know it was there, you would have drove right by it. And a couple of friends that were uh, came in to visit Big Candy kind of stated the same thing. We kind of uh, my they were saying the same similar thing. My GPS told me to go here and when I went there it I didn't know it was in the back I had to drive around when I asked the people at the hotel they were like oh yeah that's in the back there was no the this location Hager Hall had no direct frontline road line of sight that said hey we're here and this is an event going on and granted one of the uh Ghostbuster uh, cosplay groups that w- that's there. They do a lot of friendly uh, stuff for kids and all that. But they're kind of like the 501st of the Ghostbuster world. But 
they they did have an inflatable uh, marshmallow man, you know, up. But a lot of people just would ignore that and drive by. There was nothing really saying, "Hey, there's a four state Comic Con here. There's something going on for the public. Please come in." Not to mention the whole thing was up on a hill a little bit, where the highway was on the bottom part of it. I'm not knocking that because you can't really, the way the hill was, there was no way safely you could have stood near the road and kind of tried to draw in traffic saying, hey, there was something here. But Matt did his job in reference to advertising. He had radio spots on several of the big stations in the area. Uh, He did a few local theater advertisements. I didn't see any here in Martinsburg area, but uh, he had a lot of posters up. I told Matt at one point that it would have been a fun thing as a kind of a Easter egg hunt or something of the sort that find where I put up a poster and snap a picture of it uh, to win a prize. But um, maybe next time, because no matter where I went, there was a photo, uh, there was a poster up saying, you know, come see four state, so Matt really tried it his best. It might have been a uh, a better area. As I would like to see before I pass full judgment on the show, because like most lo- new, transfers to a new location, like Otacon did this year, what tends to happen is you have a mix of drop off and you have a mix of a new location problems, meaning that. It's a new location. We're trying a new location setup. We have to see what works. When so we might have done cons before, it's a new location. We have to figure out how everything is. So we have to set it up like X, Y, and Z to see if X, Y, and Z still works because that's how we did it in the last location. Uh, apparently, it didn't work that well this time around, so they might have to uh, mix things up. And the second thing is... When it comes to a new location, there is a tending a ten, tendency of a attendance drop off, meaning that where the let's say the uh, the baseline that Matt needed to break even was fifteen hundred people. He could have had that fifteen hundred people, but he would have had to work twice as hard to get that fifteen hundred people because it's a new location, and many people that would have went to the Waynesboro location might not want to travel all the way to the Hagerstown location because they, they're they local. They don't want to travel to uh, Hagerstown for whatever reason. Now, because it's in a new location, you have a lot of the people that live in Hagerstown or in the surrounding area, area wondering what the fuck this is, why is it here, what are they doing, why should we show up to this this pop culture event where there's something already established that is a pop culture event, i.e. the, the library uh, pop culture show every year? Why should we spend our money, uh, our $10, $15 to go to Matt's show when we have this? Uh, that's a free event. But it, it's that sort of thing. I'm hoping the when Matt's next... Uh, four state show happens in March that with the feedback that he's gotten because that's one of the things that he did he put out a kind of a uh, feedback form to the vendors to see where they stood and how, what they thought was uh, 
I think from what again one of the main things that I heard, including what I mentioned here, is that the flow was wrong. That it had bad flow, which means no one really wanted. There were instances where the people only went up to a certain point, turned around and walked back, like cosplay alley, or they just went to see the the celebrities and just walked out. Therefore, the vendors get mad because they can't they can't earn their money for their table and kind of visit the other vendors meeting there for kind of peel back the curtain is that even though you as a ticket holder buy stuff off of vendors vendors are tend to be geeks as well meaning that they're on the hunt to look for that one particular item for their collection and sometimes in order to purchase that geeky item that they're looking for they got to make money at their table and if they're not making money Therefore, they're not spending money either. So, there's there's that. So, that's why I suggest that if you do go to one of Matt's event, please uh, spend, uh, go with some money. Uh, there might have been one of the other factors in reference to this that could have hurt Matt is the fact that school season was starting up and the fact that people were, still were kind of broke from spending money on school supplies and meaning pencil, clothing, uh, computers, and whatnot, and they might not have enough money to spread the wealth in the vendor area. But then again, you don't. There were a lot of great prices in the vendor area, like Dollar Comics and five dollar. You know, excuse me, five dollar patches, which I picked up two. Uh, there were a, a lot plethora of. Uh, Vendors selling, uh, selling some great stuff. Uh, there were two, there were photo ops that you could have taken all over the place. Uh, there was a steampunk, uh, TARDIS, a steampunkish Dalek, and there was a, a Slimer model, uh, which someone said had a big butt on it. But, you know, th- there was stuff that you could take a photo with at, you know, with to satisfy your geekiness. There was something for everyone at the show, just that, there needed to be more people and more uh, people realizing where it was and how easily it could have been to get to. And that's the thing. It, it has There has to be more of a word out that, you know, if the vendors are the ones that, you know, could hurt Matt next year, uh, just that if... You know, it's that's the one thing that will hurt Matt because there's a few vendors, or from what I've been hearing, that were very dissatisfied. They didn't make their table money, and because of that, they might not come back, which could hurt Matt. I hope it continues that Matt's able to do this uh, several more times. I'm not saying next year, but uh, over the next couple of years, because it he does put on a good show overall. I'm going to hold off a score in reference to this. Uh, normally, I would have given Matt a 7, 7.5, but uh, because it's in a new location, uh, I normally would have said, you know, this year it's a 6, 6.5, which is down from last year's Waynesboro uh, Winter Wonderland show. Uh, but this year, I'm just going to hold off solidifying that score because of it. So, there's that. I'm going to end it there. There's not much more I could talk about. Um, as for Destiny 
two review. I did beat the game. You're going to hear somewhat of a review next week, but it's only a part one. It's not a full review. I might hold off a full review, which would be recapping the review that I did and continuing on with a further review. And I might tack on a movie review or two after that as well. We'll see what happens uh, when... After all the four states shenanigans and episodes have been posted, I just wanted to get this review out there. See you guys next week. Take care. If you want to hear last week's panel episode or any of our other episodes, you're able to do so by going to our main site, which is thelongcoatmafia.podbean.com. It has all our episodes from this episode that you're listening to right now. All the way back to our beta episodes way back in 2015. You can also find us if you have a smartphone or a uh, desktop computer. You're able to find us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Uh, iTunes if you use it on your computer. Apple Podcasts if you use one of Apple's mobile devices like an iPad, iPod, or an iPhone. You can also listen to us on an Android phone, one of the many Android phones that are out there, whether it's an LG, a Samsung, or a Gout, whatever it might be. You're able to listen to us on that phone by going to the Google Play Music Store and giving us a search that way. If you care to comment on anything or send us a question, uh, like I said, a question or comment, smart remark, tell us how we're doing, or what we should be covering, what we're not covering, uh, please do so by sending us an email to longcoatmafia at gmail.com. We do have a Facebook page where we usually post up uh, geeky news and uh, other things and photos of our uh, con goings or some of our panels and so forth, you know, photo news, photos and videos, uh, unboxings, uh, and the whatnot on Facebook. Our Facebook page is facebook.com slash the long coat mafia podcast. It's all one word. Uh, we are also on Twitter, which is long coat mafia. And our Instagram is also long coat mafia. So feel free to stalk us that way. And don't forget to, uh, stalk, uh, David Nickel on uh, not Instagram on Twitter as well. He did date his uh, Twitter handle on on that. So there's that. So y'all take care. See you guys next week. The audio might be a little bit off on it, so don't worry about it. Well, it's just an experimental episode. It's going to be a chaos and a half. Lots of great guests. A lot of great interviews. Take care. Bye bye. It's a long come off your podcast! You screwed it up! You're listening to the Long Coat Mafia. Capish. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed this journey down memory lane with us in this anniversary bonus retrospective episode. And if you have any questions, comments, and concerns, or even smart remarks in regards to this episode, please let us know by emailing us at longcoatmafia at gmail.com or leaving us a comment on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash the Podcast. 
Now, all the links to everything will be down in the description of this episode, as always. Plus, just to let you know, because we have to go through it all, we are partnered with W Energy. If you wish to try out W Energy, you may do so by going to w.gg and at checkout, use the code LCMPODCAST for 10% off your order. And proceeds of that order and using our code helps the show or will help the show. Plus, if you, if for whatever reason you can't afford to use Dubby or buy from Dubby, we do have a GoFundMe up and running that if you want to toss a couple bucks our way, whether it be a dollar, two dollars, or five dollars, whatever you so wish, we have that for you to help support the show. And all funds will be used to help get new or newish equipment for the show. Uh, I should say at least updated equipment for the show because our current equipment is getting kind of old and thus glitching on us when it decides to or decides not to. And whatever we get from that, y'all will see receipts and the objects or the stuff that we buy with that funds. And whatever extra we get will be used for travel or so forth and so on, meaning if Sasha herself or a friend of the show comes down to help take us to an event like Four State or another big event in the area, it helps pay for gas, it helps to cover any hotel costs if needed, and as well, it also helps cover food and that sort of thing for us. And for you to see, it's like, well, but you won't be able to show us anything. Yes, and when it comes to major events, though we can't show you a new computer or a new-ish computer or new microphones or new uh, camera equipment, it, you'll get to see that aspect in regards to travel, travel with coverage from that, at, that event, whether it be photos, video, audio episodes, or both, or a combination of all three or everything that we could get from that, including interviews. So you'll get that extra stuff and everybody will benefit from that. Not to mention if using GoFundMe is not your thing or Dubby is too expensive, you want to go with the traditional podcasting route of Patreon, we do have a Patreon in which you'll get the full-length video episodes and its raw content a few days before it hits YouTube. And it's the lowest possible amount that we can make a tier for. And that's $3. It's a $3 tier. And that helps support the show. You get not only the full-length video episodes for everybody. You get, uh, if we have any polls, you'll get them there. If you will put some interactions up there for you to do and to uh, enjoy. So that way, if you want to provide feedback that way and we'll have that feedback in regards to uh, whatever you say and that f- whatever comments you say or questions you have through Patreon we'll answer them on show uh, if you want to share a joke a story or anything like that we'll add that to our episodes and plus for those of you who sponsor us that way your name or your handle that you go by on Patreon will be announced at a, in an in the upcoming episodes, meaning if you sponsor us on Patreon, we'll say, 
this episode was we thank for our Patreon sponsors for this episode. And those sponsors are, you know, John Doe, Jane Doe, identifies as a helicopter, you know, that sort of thing. Whatever it might be that your name is on Patreon, we'll announce that name on the upcoming show or shows. So please, if you want to do that, uh, do it that way. It's up to you. We try to keep costs low or everything low for all of you who might not be able to afford 10 20 30 dollars or more uh that that was my my thoughts in regards to that but if you can't afford the three dollars if you can't afford a buck or two or if you can't afford whatever w offers you please like subscribe share uh watch videos listen to this the audio stuff all that helps we're though we're trying to raise money for the show everything helps so if you can't fund us uh finance you can't help us financially but you want to help us listening to the show sharing the show watching our video stuff all helps us as well and that being said see you in a couple of days with our main audio episode and see you on youtube with all the videos that we have releasing the rest of this week and hopefully see you at the end of the week with another bonus retrospective anniversary episode take care and i am out of oh before i forget in regards to uh i almost forgot it we do have a challenge in regards to our gofundme if you or anyone in grand total if the whole total hits over a thousand dollars in regards to our gofundme fundraiser i on our main episode You'll see it visually, though you'll hear it, the laughter coming from my co-host. Those who've been listening regularly, regularly know that I've been saying the old meme from the show, I'm a gamer and I'm wearing a bikini. If you guys help our GoFundMe hit that 1,000 go goal and break it, I will, at the end of the show, when I say... I'm a gamer, and I'm wearing a bikini. I will reveal that I'm actually wearing a bikini top. So, do that. Help us achieve our goal, especially if you want to see actually see me do that. So, take care, all, every one of you. I am out of here. See you in a few days. You've been listening to the Long Coat Mafia Podcast, the Internet's most hated and mafia-themed Geek Podcast. 